Well, you can tell we've been married 40, almost 45 years because before we, I came up, my wife had to make sure my, my shirt was unbuttoned and, and everything else, so she had to get me. I guess they came out bad, but whatever. Whatever. Uh, boy, that, I got a blessing out of that song. My word. And I'm half tempted to skip to my third point, but <laughs> I'm not going to. You know, God has been working me for this message since Christmas, maybe, and uh, working me over. So the title of my message is Prayer is Serious Business. Prayer is Serious Business. And Pastor mentioned it this morning, but um, that's true. Prayer is serious business. Uh, Luke 18.1 says, And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men, always, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. How important, how important is prayer in your life? Really? How important is prayer in my life? Really? And, um, you know, I asked God back oh, before Christmas, I said, God, you know, I, I'm a lousy prayer. This, this is horrible, but I'm a lousy prayer. So since then, I've been waking up like 3 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. So obviously, God wants me to pray. So uh, uh, that's what I've been doing. You know, Psalm 62.8 says, Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. When I pray, do you, when you pray, do you pour out your heart before him? Do you pour out your heart? Say, God, here's my heart. And um, we need to do that. I need to do that. You know, Mrs. Dunbar played on the organ this morning before the, before the service, the song, Praise the Savior. I love that song. Praise the Savior, ye who know him, who can tell how much we owe him. I had a freshman roommate in college that used to play that on his ukulele. And uh, never forgotten it. But that... That's not why I remember him. I remember him because Tim McLaughlin knew how to pray. He knew how to pray. And we'd get down and we'd pray. And we'd get up and he'd go, oh, man, there's nothing like a good pray. There's nothing like a good pray. And he always had a smile on his face. Great guy. And, um, but I mean, he had a lot of fun. So, I mean, this guy was the biggest goof-off in the world. But when it was time to pray... He knew how to pray. He knew how to pray. And by the way, he was a good ukulele player, too. He wasn't supposed to be doing it in the dorm, but we didn't care. We used to sing. And uh, He was from California, so he was, he was a little laid back, but he was a good guy. Prayer is mentioned 650 times at least in the Bible, not counting psalms. Because if you look at the psalms of David, just about every one of them is a prayer. Just about. Not all of them, but most of them are. And um, Robert Murray McShane, back in 1830, said, Only God and your conscience are witnesses of how little you pray. You know you would be people of prayer, a people of power, if you were people of prayer. Yet you will not pray. Let's pray before we start. Father, thank you for your blessings. 
God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you so much for salvation. God, you've been so good to us. God, if, if we didn't get anything else in this life, if we died in rags, we, we have it really well. And God, I'm thankful for that. God, I'm thankful that you chose You chose to listen to a little boy. All those years ago. And you still listen to this little boy. God, I'm thankful for that. Thankful that you're still in the business of saving people, God. Thank you for... Uh, your blessings. I pray, God, that you would be with this message tonight. God, help me not to say anything stupid. Help me to uh, just let uh, your heart, God, come out of what you want us to do. And God, help us. Help us all, God, to be serious about prayer. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, I was telling somebody today, I said, you know, you could tell you're getting older. You realize we've been in the nursing home for at least 20 years? I was preaching in a nursing home today. I, I actually did something that, I don't know if it surprised my wife or not, but I went through all my old files and I organized them. Throughout wasn't any good, and I found some nursing home messages from 2000, 1999. So at least 20 years we've been going to the nursing home. That makes me feel old. But... This Wednesday, my wife and I are getting our first Social Security checks. So uh, that makes make us feel a little bit older. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, prayer. What is it about prayer? There's some things that are necessary about prayer that we forget about. The first thing, the first thing is purity in prayer. And I'm not talking about anything that's new to any of us. But God has been beating me over the head. And um, I asked God one day, I said, God, how come my prayer life seems kind of dull? How come my prayer life is what it is? And I didn't hear an audible voice, obviously. But God said to me, because you're dirty. That's why. Because there's sin in your life that you're not recognizing. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord will not hear me. I mean, is it the Bible or is it? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Hebrews says to come boldly to the throne of grace. But you know what we forget sometimes? We forget who's on that throne of grace. Who's on that throne of grace? The God of the universe. He's sitting on that throne of grace. If you went and visited President Trump in the White House, would you go in there in your work clothes? Would you go in there dirty? Would I go in there dirty in, in need of a bath? But so many times I, so many times you maybe, uh, hopefully you're more spiritual than me, but so many times we go to God dirty and we haven't cleaned up. You know, I don't know if you've noticed the trend that I've noticed. You know, I, at my age... <laughs> I go to a lot of funeral homes, and it used to be, when I was growing up, every time you went to a funeral home, you put a suit on, and you walked in there, you put a tie on, and 
you go into a nurse, you go into a funeral home now, and the guy, people in there just came off work, they're in work shoes, that kind of I mean, if you've got to go that way, and this last summer I had to go that way, I actually texted a guy whose mother died, said, listen, the only way I can go is if I go now. And I said, if you don't want me to come in my work clothes, I won't, because I have respect for you. But if it's okay, I'd like to come and pay my respects. And he said, yeah, come on. So then I get there, and <laughs> I was still dressed better than him. So <laughs> I, guess I, I guess I shouldn't have been worried about it. But, you know, we're going in front of the God of the universe. We need to be clean. We need to be clean. Um, you know, so many times we pray with dirt on our hands. You know what we need to do? God, show me my sin. You know, I was reading Leviticus. Usually, sometimes... I don't know, if you're honest, Leviticus and Numbers probably aren't most people in here's favorite books of the Bible to read. I can read fast. I really can. And sometimes I read a little too fast. Leviticus sometimes I read on fast forward. But, and Numbers especially. But, but this time I read Leviticus slow. You read Leviticus slow you're going to see what kind of a holy God you have. God was picky. The priest had to be clean before they went in before God. They had a waver in the tabernacle. They washed. They had to be clean before they went in there. You know what happens? I don't know if it happens to you what happens to me. You get in a hurry, and you just lackadaisically pray in a hurry, and you forget you're talking to the God of the universe. The God of the universe, who's holy. And they say, and you read in Isaiah, it says, and they, and they say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And we forget that. And then we wonder, how come my prayers aren't being answered? Because you went there dirty. That's why. Because I went there dirty. I went there dirty. Go to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. I don't know about you, but I want my prayers to go through. I've got a lot to pray for. And you have a lot to pray for. Genesis 41. Genesis 41 and verse 9. This is Joseph in prison. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night. Um, we dreamed a dream in one night. I and he, we dreamed each man according, uh, let's see, I said he, when, I'm getting really mixed up. And there was a, with us a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to the dream he did interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, I was in, so it was, me he restored into mine office, and him he hanged. Then Joseph, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. Pharaoh wanted to talk to him in a hurry. But before he went to Pharaoh, who was probably the, the most powerful man in the world at this time, he shaved himself, changed his raiment. It doesn't say he washed, 
but I'm sure he didn't shave and change his raiment without washing. And, but we go in to the most powerful being in the universe sometimes, and we don't go there clean. You realize, in the, you realize Joseph was coming out of a prison in ancient times? They didn't have toilets that flushed. Uh, they have, do you realize how it must have stunk? Do you realize how he must have stunk? That's why he had to take a bath. When I'm in a hurry to pray and I make sure and I don't make sure I'm clean, you know how much I stink? I stink at God. I, since I'm not going to listen to his prayer, he stinks. I don't want him near me. And some, like I said, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes we just, it's so lackadaisical to us, the Christian life. The Christian life is work. It's work to make sure your sins are confessed. I was reading Leviticus, and God reminded me of something I did when I was a teenager, and I confessed it to God, because I was, all of a sudden it popped in my head, something I hadn't thought about in 40 years. Well, it's been longer than that since I was a teenager. But, but anyway, in 50 years, how's that? Well, that's a scary thought when you think about it. Wow. But anyway, um, isn't that something, Elliot? 50 years ago, I was sitting where you sit. Uh, but it's going to go like that. It really is. Uh, so anyway, uh, we must, we, we've got to be serious about our sin. You know, God in the Old Testament... When somebody made a sacrifice, he smelled a sweet savor. He smelled, it smelled good to him. When people came before him clean, when the offering was right, it smelled good. When I go before God, I want to smell good. I want him to say, man, that was sweet. And I can remember times in my life when, man, I was in fellowship with God and it was sweet. When I was a boy on the farm, on Sunday afternoons, we weren't allowed to do anything. We couldn't, we couldn't play games. We couldn't watch television. We couldn't uh, do anything but sleep or take a walk. And, you know, that wasn't a bad way to grow up, to be perfectly honest with you. So what did I used to do? I used to take my Bible, and I'd go sit under a maple tree up in the pasture, and I used to talk to God. And, you know, there's times when I'd like to go back there. <laughs> there really is. Because we really had sweet fellowship then. And I'm not saying I'd never have it now. But we need to have fellowship with God. Well, what stinks before God? You know, sometimes we keep bit, we're bitter. We get bitter sometimes. We get angry. We hold grudges. We're unkind. We're unmerciful. We're unforgiving. We, we're covetous. We lust. All those things are serious, and God doesn't want to talk to you unless you confess it to him. And you've heard 1 John 1, 9 since the time you were a little, most of you. But we need, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You wonder why God's not answering your prayer. Some people in this church can't stand other people in this church. I'm not stupid. Get over it. Get right. Then God will answer your prayer. Get the bitterness, get the anger, get the, get the old grudges out of your system and, and, and get right with God so God can hear your prayer. 
You know, we have some serious things to do in our church. We have a beast feast coming up. There's people I've worked with for 40 years. Do you want to see me run the aisle? You see one of those guys walk the aisle? I'll run. I don't care if I tear my knee up. But it's not going to happen unless we get a hold of God. It's not going to happen unless we have power with God. You know, um, and you know, God's not going to do for us what we can do for ourselves. We need to talk to people. You know, Pastor asked me to do Saturday visitation. Well, on Saturday visitation, we started a little bit last month, but for the next two months, we're going to pass out flyers, we're going to do door hangers, try to get some kids in Sunday school. But it's not, we can do that, but it's not going to work unless we pray, unless we mean it. And we get down on our knees and we get a hold of God and stop messing around. And I'm just being very frank with you, because that's what happens with me. Sometimes, you know, you get in a hurry, you're at work or that kind of thing, and your mind wanders. But let's get serious. We've got to stop messing around, you know, and, and do what's right. Um, and there's another hindrance to prayer. You know, the Bible says in James 4.8, it says, Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Cleanse your hands. You know, uh, we need to do that. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy about your sin. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm preaching to me. I really am. But, like I said... I've never. I'm usually. I'm usually double-minded when I when I preach. I usually have two messages because I can't make up my mind. Not this time. Not this time. God just said this is it. So must be you need it or I need it. One of us needs it. First Peter chapter three, verse one. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word. They may also, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair, and of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For this manner, the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I've tried for 45 years to get my wife to call me Lord. She still doesn't do it. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sorry, don't mean to uh, be late here. Whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, and it's the context of husbands and wives, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving wife, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers be not hindered. You want your prayers to be hindered? Don't get along with your wife. Or wife, don't get along with your husband. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I know I'm naive. I really am. But I've always thought that there's no excuse for two Christian people that are married to not get along. I've always thought that. Maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. But you know what? 
Suck it up, buttercup. You know, you've got to get over yourself sometimes. And you know, there's a lot of things I regret in my life. I was telling them in Sunday school this morning, one of the things I regret that when my wife had four kids by the time we were, th- we were 30, that I didn't help her more. I regret that. I didn't help her more. And by the way, you guys have got wives. Help her. Don't, don't come home, you know. Like, don't come home. I've been working all day. She's been watching the kids all day. Come home and expect her to go, Oh, Romeo. Well, you know what? She might feel like, Oh, Pukio. You know? Been chasing kids all day, changing diapers, cleaning up, throw up. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how you women do it. I don't. One time I was home with Leah from church, and she threw up on the bathroom floor. I'll tell you what. It was all I could do to clean it up. I mean, part of me wanted to leave it, but I said, you know what? You would really be a heel if you did that. So as I'm doing it, I'm gagging bad. So if you can do it, God bless you. I mean, really, God bless you. You have a special place in heaven. But, but uh, seriously, seriously, it says that your prayers be not hindered. As being heirs together of the grace of life. For 45 years, almost, I've been heirs together of the grace of life. And you need to treat it that way. You're, if your wife is saved, hallelujah, you know. And I realize we all have different personalities. We all have different problems. But get over it. And like I said, maybe I'm being too simple. But get down on your knees. And you know what would really do some of you good if you haven't done it? Pray with your wife. Get down on your knees and pray with your wife. The sweetest time we have together is when we pray together. And we might cry. And we pray for you. We pray for our grandchildren. We pray for our children. We just have such a good time. But being heirs together, that your prayers be not hindered. If you're contrary, your prayers are hindered. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't go to bed mad. If you've got to stay up till 4 in the morning, don't go to bed mad. You know what I found out in my life? Most of the time when I have an argument with my wife, it's really stupid. I mean, really stupid. I mean, in the scheme of things. And I guess my advice to husbands is don't be a bonehead. You know, men have got this gene the bonehead gene, I call it. <laughs> and sometimes we can really be a bonehead. I don't know if David remembers this. He probably, he might. He probably learned from it. One time I had one of those 70-hour weeks and I'm mowing the grass, I'm mowing the lawn. And I mowed over my wife's flowers. Well, one thing I've never remembered to this day, that my wife is not as deaf as me. So... She comes out of the house and goes, you mowed over my flowers. And I'm in a bad mood. And so under my breath, I say, what's the stupid flowers? And she heard me. Well, I wouldn't hear it if she was standing here, if I said it that low. But she heard it. And <laughs> she goes into the house crying. And David looks at me and he goes, Dad, I'm not real smart. But I don't think that was the smartest thing you've ever said. <laughs> 
And, and that's true. That's true. So it says, live together as heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. I don't want my prayers hindered. Listen, listen to me for a minute. You know, many of you have got children. You're raising children. You want, you would give both arms, both legs for those children. At least you better feel that way. Get your heart right so when you get down on your knees and you say, God, help them to make the right decisions. You know, we have a rotten world. And I pray for my children and my grandchildren, but you know what I pray for them? God, help them to love you. Because if they love God, it doesn't matter what happens in the world. They'll be all right. But if they don't love God, they're in trouble. But you know what? You don't want your prayers to be hindered when you're on your knees praying for your children. You want to be right with God so God will hear that prayer. God will hear that prayer. You know, you need to be on your knees begging God for your children. I hope you do. I hope you do. It's important to pray. Beg God for them. You know, I have been around long enough to see a lot of kids get messed up. And it's unfortunate, and I feel bad. I do. There's nothing worse to me than seeing a kid that's raised in church in a, in a Christian home go off in the weeds somewhere and, and not, amount, not amount to anything and, and don't, don't go to church anymore, don't love God anymore, and all those things. That just breaks my heart. And I know a lot of kids like that. Um, a lot of kids that used to come here that are like that. Well, you know what? We need to be in the position so we're praying for them. And not just our kids, praying for other kids. You know what blesses my heart quite often on Sunday night? You see all the little kids come forward. That is the best thing on the face of the earth. Don't ever think to yourself, well, I'm going to get a toasted cheese sandwich. Now we've got to wait for all those kids up there. Well, you better repent in your wicked heart. That's all I can say. Because you know what? Well, they, don't have, they might not know what they're doing up there. But you know what? That's a real good habit to get into. It would do some of you good to come forward to this altar. Don't criticize a little kid for doing it. And you know, well, they might be copying another kid. Well, I hope they are. There's nothing wrong with copying another kid to do right. But how do you know one of these days the Holy Spirit of God isn't going to tap that kid on the head and say, hey, listen, what about the people in Africa? What about the people in, in Spain or wherever? You don't know that. I don't know that. But our hearts need to be right. So we're praying for them, not just our kids, but other kids. So that your prayers be not hindered, that your prayers be not hindered. So our prayers shouldn't be hindered, but there's something else we need. There's something else we need. We need to realize that we have the power of the universe at our disposal. You know, Jerry likes to hunt. I don't know if there's any other deer hunters in here. But, you know, so many times we don't pray. We don't realize that God can really do something. Jerry doesn't go out to hunt deer with no, with no shells. He doesn't go out there and say, well, I'm here with an empty gun. I'm going to try to shoot him. But sometimes we do that. Sometimes we do that. 
We have the power of God at our disposal. At our disposal. But you know what? We need to believe that God can and will answer prayer. God can answer prayer. He will answer prayer. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes, I don't know if you're like me. I hope you're better than me. I really do. I mean that with all my heart. How many times, don't raise your hand, please. How many times have you gone to visitation? The only reason you're here is because, well, I should be coming to visitation, and if I don't come, I mean, for Pete's sake, I'm a deacon, you know, they're going to sort of wonder where's he at, you know, that kind of thing. And your heart isn't any more into it than the man in the moon. When we should realize that we have a God that can do something, we need to believe that when we knock on a door, God can save that person. But so many times we go out in unbelief. We just doubt God. And, and there's been times when I've been praying for the guys at work, and I say, well, they're not going to. I say to myself, well, they're not going to show up anyway. Oh, God's really going to honor that prayer. You know, the prayer of unbelief. And we do that so often. Go to Matthew chapter 14. You know, I get tired of myself. There's times, more than one time, when I just want to boot myself, you know, and chase myself. You know, <laughs> I'm so stupid at times. And, but Matthew 14, verse 31. Peter was walking on the water. Um, verse 29, Matthew 14, and he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21 and verse 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast unto the sea, it shall be done. It shall be done. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I will that men everywhere, men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, and doubting. So many times we don't think that God can do it, but God can. God can. And like I said, sometimes I think, well, yeah, yeah, but God can. Do you realize God can get Five people under conviction at the beast feast, and they won't be able to stand it until they get saved. God can do that. And we need to ask him for that and believe that he can do that. God can save people at the beast feast, can he, Nick? Uh, God can do that. Well, stop doubting him. Stop doubting him. Uh, God can. God can. I have it written on the side of my notes. God can, God can, God can. Because God can. And um, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, 
and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that diligently seek him. Believe that he is. You know, sometimes we don't believe that he is. Believe that he is. When you pray, put yourself in the throne room. Sit down in the chair next to God and tell him what's on your heart. I mean that. Put yourself in the chair. And, you know, when we pray, we need to do that. You know where I was this morning? I was in Connecticut. You know why? Because I was praying for my granddaughter. You know where I was this morning? I was in Pennsylvania because I was praying for my family. You know where you can be? You can be in Africa. Put yourself there. Prayer is real. Prayer is real. And uh, we need to believe God and put ourselves in the throne room. And I do. I like to picture myself that God is sitting in a chair next to me and I'm talking to him like I used to talk to my own father and sit on his lap and tell him what I want. And this time it's not a baseball glove. This time it's something a little more serious than that. This time it might be, God, help my grandkids to stay out of sin. That's what it might be. Help the men of this church to stay out of sin. The women of this church to stay out of sin. You know, you know what I do, and maybe this will help you, when I see something I shouldn't see, and you know, you can't go into Wegmans without seeing something you shouldn't see in the summertime. Now, I just can't believe people can look in the mirror and go outside like this. But anyway, um, I say, God, help so-and-so in our church. Help my sons. Help their thought life. Help Alex and Elliot. I pray for you guys all the time because we know what's out there. The devil is a roaring lion goeth out seeking whom he may devour. Get serious about prayer. Um, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So there's one more thing, and I, I, I don't even see what time I started, but I'll, I'll be done shortly. Uh, persistence in prayer. Go to Genesis 32. Genesis 32. We need to not quit. Sometimes we just, sometimes I get so mad at myself. We just give up and we don't hang on. But Genesis 32, you guys are familiar with the story. Genesis 32 and uh, verse 24. And Jacob, and Jacob was left alone. He was alone. You know, you can do your best praying when you're alone. And Jacob was left alone, and they wrestled the man with him until the breaking of the day. And we all know who the man was. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. You know, we quit too soon. God is never in a hurry. Never. When you've been around forever, uh, you can be, you can take your time. He is, 
He's not in a hurry. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. Have you ever been in a situation, I hope so, and I need, we need to get there more often, God, I'm not going to go until you bless me or until you give me peace. There's been times in my life when I thought the world, the world ended. And I prayed, and I said, God, I'm not going to stop until you bless me, until you give me peace. But so many times we give up. You know, I've had a time in my life, and some of you may know what I'm talking about, when I just wished to high heaven that I could change history, but I couldn't. I couldn't. But I hung on, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I said, God, I'm not going to quit until you give me peace. And he did. He did. And you know, there's so much, some things that you folks are praying for. Don't let go until he blesses you. Pray. You know, we're too much of a hurry. It wouldn't hurt any of us in here to spend an hour a day praying. It really wouldn't. You know, Martin Luther used to pray three hours a day. You know, it, it really wouldn't hurt us if we spent three hours a day. It really wouldn't. I think, you know, Pastor mentioned it this morning, I think the biggest problem in Christianity is lack of prayer. It really is. I'm convinced of that. I know what is in my life. That's the biggest problem. But he wouldn't let him go until he blessed him. Go to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Exodus 33 and verse 12. Exodus 33, 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is my people. And he said, My presence will go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto them, unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. You know what we need to do? We need to pray in the morning. Say, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. If you don't go with me to work, I can't go. You have to go with me. You won't go with me to knock on doors. I can't go. You have to go with me. You know, we think we're so, we're so proud. You know, we can do everything. We can't do anything. We need God. And Moses said, God, if you're not going to go with me, I'm not going. <laughs> That's a pretty healthy prayer, I think. If you're not going to go with me, I'm not going. And uh, we need to do that. We can't work. We can't witness. We can't do anything unless God is with us. And we need to say, God, and beg God and say, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I'm not going. If you can't help me raise my children, I can't do it. You need to help me. If you can't help me be a friend to somebody else in the church, then you need to help me. You need to help me. And uh, 
we need to say that to God. Like Moses said, if you don't go with me, I can't go. I can't go. And uh, we saw what Moses was able to accomplish. You know, Jesus thought prayer was necessary. And I'm not going to read all the passages, but just in the book of Luke, in Luke 5.16, he prayed in the wilderness. In Luke 6.12, he prayed all night. In Luke 9.18, he was alone praying. In Luke 9.28 to 29, he prayed, and his countenance changed. His countenance changed. You know what? If we pray the right way, our countenance is going to change. Moses was up on the mountain. When he came down from the mountain, his face shone. He had to put a veil on there. I don't know about you, but I've known some people in my life whose face shone. Their countenance changed because they spent time with God. And God changed their countenance. There's people in my life I've seen, when you look at their face, all you see is peace. Dorothy Robinson was like that. Gary knows knew Dorothy. Dorothy Robinson was like that. She told me she was going to the hospital to tell her daughter-in-law that her son had, had just been killed, and she looked like Moses coming off the mountain. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that face. Smile from ear to ear. Joel's dead. I've got to go tell Brenda that, it's, that her husband died the day after she had a baby. Never forget that face. And that's the kind of face we need. And I know, by the way, that that lady spent time with God. Every morning she used to read her Bible and pray and walk with her ski poles to fend off the dogs. Uh, but but uh, we need to have our countenance changed and spend time with God. But Jesus thought it was important to pray. And if you study it, and we don't have time, but if you study it, before he picked his disciples, he spent all night in prayer. Jesus is God. But he still prayed. He still prayed all night. All night. And you read the Gospels, you read through there, every time you turn around, here's Jesus praying somewhere. Here he's praying somewhere. Well, you know what? It wouldn't hurt us, it wouldn't hurt me, it wouldn't hurt you to be praying somewhere. Well, let's pray about this. Look, you know what we do? You know what? I've really made some big bonehead moves in my life when I just went ahead and did something without praying about it. You know, we need to believe that prayer works. Prayer works. God wants us to pray. And you know, there's a fellowship we can have with God Oh, I'm telling you, there's times when I pray, when my heart's right, I just want to run and, and, and shout and do backflips, and then I'd be permanently disabled. But, but uh, I mean, really. But then there's times when I pray, and God knows, and I know, that I shouldn't even be there. I should have my heart right before I even attempt to walk in that throne room with dirty clothes. And God knows the difference. You know, we have lots of things to pray for, and I'll be done in a minute. We have lots of things to pray for. You know, we have a beast feast coming up. We have, we have all kinds of things as a church. 
we need to pray, for, like I said before, we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for God's power. We need to pray that we'll make a difference in this community. You know, I, I work with a bunch of lost guys, and you realize how many problems they have? There's a lot of problems in this world. I mean, there was one time where me and another guy were the only two guys that weren't divorced in our whole company. And it's a, it's a mess, a mess. Well, we need to have answers. We need to have power so we can give answers and have our hearts right with God instead of being lazy about it. You know, every time God brings a sin to our heart, head, we should confess it to him instead of being lazy about it. Sometimes we're like a pig and we like to wallow in the mire before we get our heart right. But we need to be serious with God because times are getting short. Well, what about you? What about me? Are your prayers getting somewhere? Are your prayers being heard? Do you believe that God can? Are you trusting God to answer your prayers? You know, I read, I read the other day, I read an old letter that I found that my mother wrote me when I went to college. 1971. 1971, when she wrote me this letter, was four months after her and my father lost everything they worked for their whole lives. My mother said in this letter, I'm praying for you. And she said, just remember, trust God. We've been trusting God a long time, and it's a joyous way to live. And you know what? She was right then, and she's right now. Staying right with God and praying and begging God. God wants us to pray. God wants me to pray. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for bothering to speak to my heart. God, you don't have to, but you do. And I'm so thankful for that. Thank you, God, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us, and you love us so much that you want us to pray. Help us to do that, God. Help me to do that. Help us to be serious about the things of God. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.